This week on the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast, we are going to talk about Lincoln's sense of humor. Frontier of hope and possibility. Be excellent to each other and party on, dudes! Welcome to the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. My name is Jeremy. With me this evening is Rail Splitter Nick. What's up, Internet Land? And Rail Splitter Mary. Hey, Rail Splitters. So uh, we are happy to be back. A couple quick show announcements. We definitely are going to continue on with our book club, uh, which I think is what, chapters 5 through 8. So if you're reading along with us, jump right in, uh, and we'll be rejoining that in a few weeks. Uh, Other than that, how is everybody doing in the Rail Splitter world, Mary and Nick? Very good, thank you. Good. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, how about you guys? (laughs) I'm doing well. Um, um, We're kind of just getting through February. Had a good uh, Lincoln's birthday a couple weeks ago and um, President's Day. We had the day off of work here in the United States and we just did a President's Day episode and we've been meaning to do an episode about Lincoln's sense of humor now for for actually probably a couple months. So um, it's a pretty pretty good uh, feeling to, to be able to do this show and talk about some jokes. Uh, before we get into that, Mary, you had shared a link with us uh, through our show notes on something you saw Lincoln pop up in recently. Yeah, like I, as I was putting the show notes together, I, um, like I googled, you know, just Abraham Lincoln and hit news to see what came up. And this came up at the top of it. Um, it's called Action Presidents. It's the second book in this kind of graphic novel comic series, apparently. And this one is about Abraham Lincoln. And it's the link I sent you guys is like a review about it. Um, So it says the second volume puts a spotlight on Abraham Lincoln. And the books are designed with a young audience in mind. But I think they take kind of a humorous approach to the history um, as well. And it's apparently narrated by Noah the His Turkey. So it's narrated by a turkey. So it's kind of like off the wall, which I instantly thought I'm like, Lincoln would probably appreciate that. Um, especially when Tad asked that that one turkey be pardoned um, <laughs> for Thanksgiving. Um, so it seems like kind of a quirky, like fun book. And I'm actually thinking of picking it up to read myself because um, I love like sort of off the wall, things like that. And I think sometimes when you put history in this type of format, it, people learn a little bit more about it or they come away with a better appreciation for it and they might be more apt to pick up a more serious book on the subject um like a biography about um abraham lincoln um so i just thought that was um really cool and you know i think it it was released just before his birthday as well um the review seems pretty favorable about it so yeah i think i'm gonna pick it up and see what it's like yeah and uh speaking of comics um in one of our man, it might have been our fourth or fifth episode for our this week in Lincoln um, item. We had the comic book Time Lincoln, which um, if you haven't listened that far back to the episodes um, or forgot about that particular this week in Lincoln, that's a comic series that uh, ran 
uh, probably it was in 2010, uh, over, a, over a year or two, there were five original issues, um, and that's where Lincoln, uh, it's kind of like a steampunk-themed comic series where Lincoln um, is travels through time, moments before he's assassinated, and there's um, an episode where he fights Hitler, there's an episode where he fights Mao, uh, there's an episode where he fights Castro called Cuba Commander, uh, and then there's an episode where he teams up with John Kennedy, well, I was like looking through comics um, after watching Black Panther. I was like, oh, I wonder if my son wants to read some Black Panther books. And by the way, Black Panther was amazing. Um, and I just was like, oh, I wonder if any more Time Lincoln issues came out. And they issued one more. It came out in July of 2017, so it's new. Uh, and it is Trump versus Time Lincoln. Uh, it's a one-shot comic book. And all I can see is the cover because uh, I haven't gotten around to purchasing it, but um, it's pretty cool. Uh, Abraham Lincoln's holding a shotgun. Uh, the current president's in the background with like a Darth Vader-looking mask thing on. Uh, and there's a very Batmobile-looking vehicle in the front. So the Abraham Lincoln comic book world is apparently alive and well, uh, especially with the new issue of Time Lincoln involving the current president. So, um, yeah, pretty cool stuff. That's very cool. So... So we try to keep you guys, uh, listeners, uh, up to speed on any new issues. Lincoln, uh, there's been, uh, with the way the news has been going lately, a lot of focus has been on things that aren't so pleasant. Um, and we don't want to disrespect any of those uh, issues, specifically um, gun violence and um, tragedies like that. However, uh, sometimes it's nice to spend a little bit of time with humor and to take a little break from reality and Hopefully this podcast will serve to do that for you, uh, especially because we are going to talk about Lincoln's sense of humor, which is one of the things he was most well-known for, um, at least one of the personality traits I think that is endured uh, in the legend of Abraham Lincoln that I think is accurate um, and important to who he was as a president. So hopefully we'll laugh a little bit and also talk about how that sense of humor may have helped him as a leader. Mary, you took quite the brunt of the show notes this time around. So why don't we go ahead and let you kind of kick things off and we'll okay. do our little round table. Yeah, these discussion. show notes are epic. I believe I'm scrolling through right now and I am on page 40. <laughs> so this is amazing. No, actually, I'm just joking. But they are very good notes. Yeah, I am, so. I'm not the general grant of writing show notes. I'm the general Sherman. Like Sherman's, <laughs> Sherman's memoirs are, if you've ever seen them before, they're like, he is like he doesn't know how to say things just succinctly and to the point. And that's kind of how I am. So I, <laughs> I apologize to the whole guys. Point of a podcast, right? Like, yeah. you know, we just talk for yeah. long periods of time. So yeah. So he probably that's why I hated reporters, probably because they just kind of took his sound bites and then write everything that he said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, so as Jeremy said, one of the things that Lincoln is known for is his sense of humor. And I found a really good uh, quote from Ronald C. White's biography uh, titled A. Lincoln, and I thought it summed it up perfectly uh, to begin the show with. Lincoln is the president who laughs with us. His winsome personality reveals itself in self-deprecating humor. As a young lawyer and congressman, his satire could sting and hurt political foes, but later in life he demonstrated a more gentle sense of humor that traded on his keen sense of irony and paradox. And I found that in doing research for this, that's definitely the case. Like in his younger days, he had a few instances which got him into trouble with a sense of humor. But as he aged and matured, he kind of became more lighthearted. Um, I think he still retained like 
the sarcasm and that really comes out when he's dealing with the McClellan, which I mean, really who can blame him with that? Um, and his humor is one of the many things that draws him to us. So it makes him human, it makes him relatable and it's comforting, I think for um, people. I don't know if you guys find the humor, like how do you guys like feel it to be like relatable, comforting? I think uh, both. I mean, it definitely makes it very relatable. I think sense of humor is always a good way to relate to other people and kind of puts down that wall. Self-deprecating humor, I think, is a powerful tool, um, especially when you use it right, um, because it makes you more relatable. You know, it kind of lets people know that you don't consider yourself um, a, like you're talking down to others. When you're self-deprecating, you're talking at the same level, which is powerful for politicians and not enough for willing to do that. Um, so, and I think it's also a sign of confidence in yourself because you're willing to, um, you know, make fun of yourself, um, which to me is a sign of confidence. Uh, so you like, we'll never see Trump do that, unfortunately, <laughs> um, because, you know, I think at the core, Trump has no confidence. Um, so that's why he's always doing the bolstering that he does. So I think it makes him relatable. And I like those little anecdotes. Um, and allows him to talk to an average person. I think that's why he was always so popular amongst the people that he lived with, whether it was in New Salem, Springfield, D.C., et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I agree with both Completely. of you. Um, and I think I think you make a good point, Nick, about self-deprecating humor and showing that, that confidence, but also humility at the same time. Um, I also think that senses of humor in general, and specifically in Lincoln's case, um, reveal a little bit of intellect as well. Um, I, I think that uh, I've always kind of held the belief that, you know, I know a lot of, you know, there are a lot of smart people and intelligent people who aren't funny, but I don't know if I know any really funny people who aren't smart or intelligent. I think that that's kind of a, you know, understanding the timing and the nuance and sarcasm and irony and, um, and knowing the timing of all that as far as like, not only delivery wise, but like situationally. Um, and really just to kind of, you know, I think it is a, a way of showing, you know, just the different development of, I guess, intellect or, or, or the brain to like to joke, to, to make people laugh. Um, and, and I think that um, a lot of Lincoln's political genius is revealed in his humor, like his when he decides to use his humor, how he decides to use his humor um, serves a purpose i think it, it i think the one parallel that i see to it is his storytelling um sort and a lot of the storytelling kind of blended into humor you know oftentimes it did uh but that that storytelling and sense of humor wasn't just like oh he's a good storyteller i can relate to him it was it served a purpose many many times either kind of like through a parable type situation or just creating an example or lightening the extremely stressful situation of of a civil war. So, um, but yeah, I think the self-deprecating nature of it, you know, just made him just so much more relatable. Um, cause really you're talking about, you know, had he not won a local election by shaking hands and meeting people, you know, we wouldn't be talking about him today. You know, it, was, it goes way back to the, to the middle, uh, 19th century when he was in Sangamon County, just trying to start out and running for office by word of mouth, essentially. And, and just through people meeting him. So yeah, that I think that sense of humor really is an extremely important part of his development as a as a leader. I like the point that you brought about intelligence. 
you know, he's known to be very quick witted too. And he was always able to come up with a story to pull from like his endless repertoire of, you know, witty stories. I mean, that's definitely a sign of intelligence to be able to come up with something like that. Um, it's also a great leadership skill because it helps ease the tension um, at times. I think it frustrated some of his cabinet, but I do think it helped ease the tension because that's what humor does. Um, you know, it makes a stressful situation not as stressful. Right. But that's it's tough to do, too, though, because you screw the timing up on that. <laughs> and it could be like, you know, we've just lost so many you know soldiers at, you know, seven pines or whatever and you're gonna joke about it you know so like or if it's a stressful situation sometimes you know you know i'm sure we all, all have stories of somebody trying to lighten the mood and you just come across as a total jerk um so you know and lincoln doesn't really have a whole lot of stories like that like it's not like he's like the jokester who's always just kind of screwing around and or anything like that um and i think that that just from from what we read about he's one of the first presidents I think, and really first major historic figures who people kind of embrace the humor in. And, it, you know, I think that it's kind of part of his appeal as a frontier kind of outside candidate, you know, anti-establishment kind of thing where, um, he wasn't that proper Washington, you know, gentleman kind of, uh, attitude or appearance or attire or anything like that, you know, kind of showing up, showing up in, in boots and, you know, riding clothes sometimes and, Kind of having that down homey type type um, speech, and and being funny. So, yeah, I think it I think it reveals quite a lot about his leadership and his character. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what both of you you said, and um, it's like it's relatable too, and it's something that we can still relate to today, and it still resonates with us. And I found a great example of this on YouTube and it's the comedian Conan O'Brien who I happen to love and he is actually a Team Lincoln Coco for life. <laughs> Team Coco. He's actually a Lincoln head like we are, which is awesome. Um it's just just a like it's like a five minute video. Um I'll post a link to it tomorrow uh, once our show gets posted and I'll post it in the Facebook group as well. Um but so uh, he visited Ford's Theater in 2009 and he gave like it's just only five minutes long but he discusses being obsessed with Lincoln from a young age. Apparently he wrote like Lincoln comic books and stuff. And he also cites two very good examples of Lincoln's humor. One of which is one of my favorites and it's after the battle of Chickamauga and Lincoln is just not knowing what to do with general Rosecrans because Rosecrans totally screwed up, didn't do what he was supposed to do. And Lincoln said that Rosecrans was confused and stunned like a duck head on the head. And the image of that, like, it's so cartoony, like, like Daffy Duck or something like that. That's exactly what I um, pictured. And Conan remarked that the statement leapt out at him and he found it quite humorous. And I think most people would like picturing Daffy Duck or something, you know, and I'm sure this has happened to all of us when we read about various humorous thing, things that Lincoln said throughout his life that there is one particular one or two that leap out at us and just make us laugh and that make us relate to him even more and that just shows how relatable he still is even 150 years later like that's really something when 150 years later you can still like you know something he said we're still laughing about it um but it shows how timeless he is um and that an example of how his humor can reach many different people as you guys both brought up too right right and i think that um i, I watched that piece from conan too and it was really really nice to see that we're not alone that somebody 
there are some Lincoln heads out there who, who might surprise you. Um, I, I really liked one of the other stories that he told because, you know, obviously we don't have recordings of Lincoln. So, um, it was interesting how Conan O'Brien is a professional comedian found humor in a very famous Lincoln statement or quote that I had never seen humor in. And now I don't think I can ever not see humor in it after like, mm-hmm. listening to how Conan described it. Um, the very famous telegraph from kind of through Grant, but from, I think Grant actually sent it, but the telegraph read General Sheridan says, if the thing is pressed, I think that Lee will surrender. And then Lincoln very famously replied, let the thing be pressed, which I always kind of read as like, man, what a, what a badass thing to say. That sounds so cool. Uh, but Conan read it as him being sarcastic. He's like, yeah, that was, you know, sarcasm really wasn't a major uh, piece of humor like it is now. Like basically he's kind of saying like everybody's sarcastic. Um, but like, he kind of read that as Lincoln being sarcastic. And now that I read it, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to read it that way that he's just kind of being like, uh, yeah, (laughs) like go do that. Then (laughs) that thing that's going to end the war. Yeah. Do that. Um, so, you know, I thought that was a very clever way to read that. And I was kind of thinking like, I wonder if there are certain things that he wrote that when he delivered them or when he read them, you know, quotes of his or things, or even just passages that he wrote, were actually really funny, but since we don't know how he delivered them, people may not read them that way. Because, like, I would have never thought that that was meant to be it. sarcastic, and it may not have been. But reading it that way makes it even cooler, I think. I hope he was, like, over-the-top sarcastic. Like, yeah, you are the greatest. <laughs> That's how I want my Lincoln sarcasm. Because I highly doubt it was that way, but... Right, right. I think that... Yeah, Phil Moore, you are the greatest <laughs> president. Yeah. Um, and, and we need to get Conan on the show, just for the record. I'm yeah. just throwing that out there between yeah. us and all the thousands of listeners we have. Hopefully we have thousands by now. But more realistically, the 180. Let's push for Team Coco on the rail splitter. That's right. And he actually, there's a really good video of him in Springfield uh, where he's talking to a he, so he's kind of indirectly been on the show because someone that he was talking to in Springfield has been on the show. Uh, one of the Lincoln presenters, uh, Randy Duncan, was uh, on that show. We used the clip as of this week in Lincoln, didn't we? Yep, yeah, yep, yep. And he, but he didn't talk. I think he just kind of talked to the one they thought was going to be the funniest, <laughs> who may yeah. may have been the least. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to pass judgment, but may have been the, one of the among the least accurate of the Lincoln presenters that were there. Which may have been why he was kind of picked on a little bit, but but yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed uh, Conan's talking about that, and then kind of thinking like, I wonder what else was funny that we don't really read as being funny. Um, so yeah, I, I, I Conan's Conan's brilliant. Yeah, that's what I thought that too. I'm like, well, what else? And I'm thinking like, I need to go back and read some more stuff and just see if it you know, could have been, depending on what the situation was that he wrote it in, like, if he's frustrated, he's probably more apt for sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I know a lot of people, myself included, like, if I get frustrated, I'll start being a little bit more sarcastic, I guess, and Mm -hmm. as a way of easing the tension or whatever, just trying to maybe get my point across. Um, But, you know, and his his humor was able to reach so many different people. um, And that's because he just didn't stick to one type. And I mean, that's illustrated in the the video about Conan, you know, you've got sarcasm and then you've got this cartoony thing about a duck being, you know, stunned and hit on the head. And 
I think that, and you guys both have mentioned this, and rightly so, like, it's one of the things that helped spur his popularity forward. Um, like, he was into storytelling or tall tales. Um, but one of the things I read about that is it's kind of like, and Conan said this really good in the video, where it's like, where, you know where you're at that party the night before? But it's like you had to be there to hear the story. Like, it's not as funny when somebody else tells it. So I was reading one article that said, like, you had to hear Lincoln tell the story. Otherwise, it wasn't as funny. It was the way he told it. Like, he was so talented at storytelling. And I think, again, that goes back to his, like, intelligence as well. Um, he was into wit, satire, irony, logical fallacy, and puns. There was one pun I was reading about with, he was out for a carriage ride with Seward. And they went by this, I don't know if it was like just a, some kind of sign for some guy and it said T.R. Strong. And Lincoln said, T.R. Strong, but coffee are stronger. It's <laughs> <laughs> cold. <laughs> One of those kind of eye rolling, like, oh my God, like, really? Um, and of course, he's into sarcasm too, which, you know, not just with McClellan, but apparently with General Grant as well near the end of the war. Um, and as we've discussed already, like the self-deprecating humor where he would laugh along with people when they made fun of him. And he may even made fun of his own appearance as well. Um, you know, there was the case in the Lincoln-Douglas debates where he said, if I had two faces, would I be wearing this one in public? Um, and he was also into uh, mimicking people. And he said that he's was apparently very talented at this, but this is one of the things that got him into trouble was when he like went overboard with mimicking. Um, and he also told dirty jokes and stories. Um, and I watched this talk on C-SPAN with the author Richard, Car I'm going to butcher his name, Car Carwardine, who he wrote um, a book called Lincoln's Sense of Humor a few years ago. And he said that a lot of these dirty jokes and stories that Lincoln would have told, like in the Victorian times, they were dirty and raunchy. But in our times today, they probably would be pretty tame, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and he never, Lincoln never told dirty um jokes or stories around women either which again that's keeping with the victorian times yeah and i think that um part of the victorian times like impact on that is um like it would be really uncouth to write that down you know i mean it's bad enough to tell the joke so i think a lot of those are probably lost lost to history mm -hmm. or at least the only the only way they've been recovered is um through you know, first-hand accounts after the fact, you know, probably in Herndon's biography and things like that. Um, I do think it is important to point out um, that it's pretty uh, pretty widely accepted and, and written about that he did also make racist jokes from time to time. Um, and that's often pointed to in the, you know, um, fairly, fairly, fairly frequent arguments about um, kind of discrediting Lincoln's abolitionist intentions and um, so obviously that's one of the things in, you know, we're certainly Lincoln fans, but we could take him for who, who he was. Um, and I don't doubt that he did, um, make, make racist jokes and say some pretty horrible things. Um, so, um, I think there is a political angle to that too, for better, or for worse, for mm -hmm. worse. Um, but, uh, I think that that's worth mentioning at least too, that he told dirty jokes, but he also was known for, um, telling racist jokes as well, uh, which of course is not something we're happy about or proud of, but um, it was part of his sense of humor as well. Yeah, but it was part of the time that he lived in as well. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. that was a huge thing. And yeah, thank you for bringing that one up too, Jeremy, and adding it into the list. 
Yeah, not too fun. Um, I think another aspect of his personality, or at least his sense of humor, not only for him but for everyone, I think that's extremely important. Um, and kind of to Nick's point earlier, something that our current, you know, the current president completely lacks. It's not only the ability to tell a joke, but the ability to take a joke. Um, you know, when people would make comments about his appearance, he would turn it right back into a joke. You know, kind of take the power a little bit out of that, but also, you know, he had no problem with people making fun of him, and he wouldn't, you know, wouldn't attack them back. He'd usually kind of disarm the situation by agreeing with it. You know, there's like stories of, you know, somebody like a, a woman stopping, and it's probably apocryphal, but I'm sure it's like, um, I'm sure it fits with a, a typical exchange when um, <clears throat> there was a, you know, like a woman on horseback, so he stopped to let her pass, and, and she looked at him intently and said, I do believe you are the ugliest man I ever saw. And he said, Madam, you are probably right, but I can't help it. And, and the way Lincoln would tell a story, no, said she, you can't help it, but you might stay home. Um, so that's kind of how he would tell a story, but like something like that where he would kind of turn the joke back on back on himself in a way that kind of disarmed the person, but also where he could take a joke, um, which I think is an important part of, you know, being able to dish it out. You got to take it a little bit, too. Well, I think it was important for him, too, being that society was so divided um, during that time. I mean, he was the butt of numerous jokes. Um, you know, one of the best exhibits at the Lincoln Museum that I always find fascinating is that hall where there's all the political cartoons. And every one of those political cartoons, it's Lincoln is the, the subject matter there. And they range from, you know, somewhere humorous to, uh, you know, completely cruel um, intentions behind it. Um, you know, and I think that made it like he needed that sense of humor to be able to navigate himself through those times that he was the butt of so many jokes or, you know, so much anger aimed at him. So um, I, I was just thinking about that. And I think sometimes when we think of Lincoln's sense of humor, we don't think of the fact that he was, in some people's eyes, the joke. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. I, I agree. That's a great part of the museum. It used to, when, it, when the museum first opened, it was like the lines would be so long, you would, like, it was kind of part of the entryway into the White House and, like, the first exhibits. So, like, you just kind of stand there and read. But now if you go there when it's not as crowded, it's easy to skip that part, um, which mm -hmm. I think is a mistake because it is. Um, it's great because they have those political cartoons. Um, they're kind of artistically shown, like the frames are very crooked, which is an interesting choice. But they also have audio of um, actors playing, playing, like, roles of the period, like, kind of reading, like, you know, very all negative things about him that was in the press at the beginning of his presidency um and it's yeah it's pretty they, they do a nice job um and it's easy to skip that part and i i would you know i i'll be honest i skip it a lot of the time but it's it's pretty cool a lot of them are like have lincoln drawn as you know an animal of some kind or like give him animalistic traits um or like over exaggerate his physical features to make him look you know kind of comical or stupid sometimes so um yeah it's not a whole lot has changed i think in the political cartoon world but some of those early examples are pretty cool to look at yeah i came across some political cartoons uh in the research i was doing and a lot of them were centered around the uh, 1864 election which and they were not very favorable towards lincoln at all because uh the democrats actually one of the things they were saying about Lincoln is we don't want a smutty president in the White House. Like they were saying his sense of humor was not good. And 
um, like the three of us have all agreed that it was definitely like a sign of his intelligence. The Democrats saw it as a sign of him not being intelligent and they really just kind of laid into him about stuff. And there was a couple that uh, I came across that were showing Columbia saying, going to Lincoln and saying, where are my, you know, 50,000 sons that have died? Like, where are they? And Lincoln is shown like in this cartoon, like, you know, in the political cartoon. And he's saying, that reminds me of a story which is, we all know from the movie Lincoln that he said that, but it's just basically him being shown as a man who's disregarding all the lives that are being lost. And I found that quite interesting to see how, you know, his humor is being used against him and in political cartoons of all things during the 1864 election. So that's when it kind of really kind of hit me. Like, no wonder he felt scared about losing the election like he was probably seeing a lot of those cartoons and seeing how they're campaigning against him using his sense of humor against him yeah that's kind of a one of the one of the early rules of politics right is to you know you've got to paint a paint a difference between mm-hmm. your candidate and the opposition and you've got mcclellan who is completely devoid of any sense of humor whatsoever so that's probably a part of the strategy on their part is you know how can we make a potential weakness of our candidate into a strength. So like, well, let's make Lincoln into this, you know, kind of hasty storytelling kind of uncouth um, frontier person when we've got the East Coast military elite McClellan, who's um, kind of got that holier than thou air about him and really probably is not known to have ever made a joke. Although if you Which read- Which is ironic, considering he is a joke. <laughs> Right, but it, I, this kind of thought just came to me. But like, if you read his, if you read his letters to his wife, like as as if they were sarcastic, he would have actually been really hilarious. Like, you know, <laughs> they've called on me to save the country again. Like, that could be a really like self defeating, smart ass remark if it wasn't from a super arrogant person. Like, you know, like you know, uh, yeah, because his his like hyperbole about himself almost reaches the point of being sarcastic just because it's so ridiculous anyway. There's, um, I picked up a book when I was in Gettysburg, it's kind of getting off topic, but it's like selected war letter, like letters that McClellan wrote. And it's edited by Sears. And one night um, I took it out and I flipped to a random page and I read it to my partner. <laughs> he was like, is that actually a real letter? I said, yeah, that's how he was. And um, I'll post it. I'll send this to you guys in the show notes and I'll put, I'll, tweeted out as well, but there's actually somebody who's taken some le- McClellan's letters and made them into like a satire. Of oh, letters. And it is the genius. most hilarious. It's so hilarious. And there's a video on YouTube of somebody reading them, <laughs> but they, and it really makes you, like you said, Jeremy, like they, like they're hilarious. Like you can't believe he talks that way. Like when he's like, apparently like by some magic, I'm now the law of the land or whatever, <laughs> like, or I've been called upon to save the country. See, and I, we just hope for everybody out there in Rail Splitter Nation, just find someone who loves you like McClellan loved himself. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. Um, and so Lincoln, like, unlike McClellan, Lincoln had, he had a sense of humor and he used it for many different reasons. Like, first and foremost, I think he loved to laugh. Um, and he said during the Civil War, if I didn't laugh, I would cry all the time and be sad and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that like I know for me when I you know and other people as well that I've talked to you get in a stressful situation you just diffuse it through laughing 
Like it doesn't, you know. Yeah, and that was a point I wanted to bring up too to, to, to both of you and to get your thoughts on it. But like there's a common theme, I think, to well-known comedians, at least now, like stand-up comedians specifically, that like depression tends to be a common topic. And like you see um, a lot of times substance abuse, but like you know, a lot of them talk about um, and their stand-up is oftentimes about depression. Like Mark Maron's a good example. Um, you know, if this were six months ago, I'd probably say Louis C.K., but we can't talk about him anymore because he's kind of a piece of junk. But, you know, like a lot of well-known comedians now talk about that that depression. Um, Sarah Silverman, like a lot of them. And I think there's something to that, um, you know, humor as a coping mechanism, but also sometimes as a byproduct even of – um, specifically depression, but possibly other mental illnesses. I kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. I completely agree with it. Um, and I'm open about this. Like I've suffered from depression for many years. Um, yeah. Humor is very much a coping mechanism. Um, it's just, you're having a bad day. If you can be humorous or watch something funny, like for me, I know I will read about Lincoln, usually something kind of more lighthearted. Um, and in Lincoln's Melancholy, uh, Joshua Wolfshank, the author, he does discuss how Lincoln, um, it was a coping mechanism for his depression. So I, you know, and just the comedians you mentioned, Jeremy, like, yeah, for sure. I think it is a coping mechanism for depression as well as for anxiety because laughter relaxed. Like if you can get everybody laughing, it relaxes them and it makes it easier to talk about things. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you think of, like right now, like the news, just with the shooting that took place, everything, it's very tough to watch. Mm-hmm. So what I find myself doing, because I kind of be a news junkie, I'm kind of a news junkie, is I make sure, like, the other night I'm just like, I, I got to stop this. I turned on John Oliver, and it just gave me, like, a sense of relief. You know what I mean? It took my mind off it or twisted in this element to it was humorous. And then, you know, I still kind of get my news, but in a humorous format, uh, which is what I used to do with The Daily Show, too. Um, and I still do from time to time is I watch that to make myself feel better about the terrible news that's out there. Yeah. It's, um, it, yeah, it's like the weird combination of like rage and laughter. Like, yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm so mad about this. But like those, you know, they're pointing out the irony of this ridiculousness of <laughs> that is the world we live yeah. in. Yeah, for sure. Yep, I, yeah. definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that, too. It, it's, you know, and for Lincoln, like many people, definitely coping mechanism for depression in a way of, like, escape, like, not necessarily escaping, but I totally relate to what you're saying, too, Nick. Like, sometimes when it's just, like, you're watching all this news, and it's like, okay, I need to see something funny just to get yeah, away from and it. it's, you know, it's tasteful. I mean, it's not like he's making jokes about, like, dead, at, dead, dead people at Antietam or or Willie or Tad or, you know, like he's not like making inappropriate joke, like, you know, jokes about his depression. It's like, you know, from that, you know, as, as an escape, you know, and I think, you know, like that's where the self-deprecating nature and the puns and all that kind of stuff come in. So like, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's nuanced and, and difficult to do, but the fact that he was able to, to have humor most of the time appropriately inserted into stressful situations. Um, and I know it's, apocryphal but like we kind of reference the movie quite often and i think that story that he tells about um ethan allen and george washington and you know very tense point in the war but um like i that's how i kind of envision those stories going down you know i'm sure that that situation didn't play out exactly the way 
that was depicted in the movie, but I'm sure that that was could have been very typical of of a, a story that he would have told. So um, I really, it's one of my favorite scenes, if not my favorite scene. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and Stanton, of course, is kind of annoyed and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah, no, that's one of my favorite scenes too. I love when Stanton just is like, I don't want to hear another one of your stories. And he storms <laughs> off out of the room. Um, yeah, that's a really good scene. Right, and Stan's one who just immersed himself in work more than anything, from what from yeah. what I've read, anyway. So, you know, whereas yeah. Lincoln did that too, but um, when he was around people, he he told stories and jokes, and he spent a lot of time by himself. He didn't sleep a lot and did a lot of pacing, and was very, uh, you know, was a thoughtful person for sure. Um, but I think when he was in a group, and that may have stemmed from a little bit of self consciousness too, but um, kind of had to. To make their jokes i think there is an element of that too that humility and i agree nick that there's a lot of confidence there too but i think there's also that um you know a lot of times i think funny people feel like you know i've got i've got to make people laugh otherwise you know i don't know what to do or it's socially awkward mm -hmm. this is how i this is how i make conversations so. yeah and lincoln used his humor too like for politics and again it gets back to the whole like easing the tension i think and having people relate to him and uh, the guy I mentioned earlier, Richard Car Carwadine, um, who I watched the C-SPAN talk that he gave, um, said that Lincoln was the first president to really make storytelling and humor tools of the office of the president. Like prior to that, it hadn't really been a thing at all, because I think it was seen as maybe not being appropriate to one in that hive in office as being humorous and telling jokes. And also in line with politics, is it was a way for Lincoln to get ideas across to people to help them him or like them relate to what he was trying to say and get across and as well and this kind of goes back to depression as well but just morale especially during the civil war like public morale just to get people laughing or take their mind off things and i think lincoln his other coping mechanism theater or you know reading or whatever just something to help him out as well um, and he kept his humor even throughout the country's darkest hour of the Civil War. Yeah, I mean, he just, I'm just sitting here thinking, I know we kind of said this too, is he just used it in so many different facets from using it to build a political argument or to poke holes in a political argument, to ease tension, to, you know, maybe uh, make himself feel more comfortable in the crowd. Uh, to, you know, just storytelling, to get a pointer. I mean, he used it in so many different facets. Um, it was such an integral part of who he is. One of probably his definitely, you know, top five greatest qualities, I think, is Lincoln's humor. And I don't know if we've ever had a president um, who has had the humor, used it quite as effective as he did. I don't think so. I, I don't think so at all. I completely agree with what you said, Nick, too. Yeah, I think he was the best. I think Reagan usually is brought up in conversations about, um, I think he used it publicly more uh, than maybe anybody since Lincoln. Um, and, you know, I'm reluctant, you know, I would never put those two on the same plane in any other regard, but I do think they, they were kind of known publicly as having a sense of humor. And, you know, Reagan's, you know, nickname is the great communicator. Um, and that probably has a little bit to do with that. And his sense of humor was kind of similar in a kind of down home, you know, relatable way. Um, I think, you know, the, the legends around Lyndon Johnson being quite a jokester, almost exclusively inappropriate and probably mostly sexual in nature, but still, 
and also racist probably in nature too um you know kind of known as a you know a jokester i think john kennedy was known for pranking people which is an interesting thing that i don't think lincoln was really known for um in his younger days um and i think more and more um i think george w bush kind of probably thought him thought himself as a joker a little bit and tried to tell some jokes I think he had a few that probably fell flat <laughs> and they were inappropriate. <laughs> uh, but then again, now that now that we record, you know, every time they speak, somebody's recording somewhere. Um, that's you know, it's a little little we're a little harsher critics. I think Obama was funny at times when he when he could when he was able to loosen up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the White House Correspondents Dinner, I think, is a, you know back when it was a thing. Um, I think those are hilarious, and I know that they have joke writers that do a lot of that work for them, but. I, I, I love that stuff, um, but our current president doesn't do that anymore. But, you know, that's been going on since the 20s where presidents got a chance to kind of cut loose a little bit and make some jokes. Uh, it would have been interesting if Lincoln had that opportunity as well. Yeah. Well, did, didn't do it, did he? I don't – yeah, I doubt it. I don't know. Um, yeah, because I, I think they were kind of like closed-door kind of secretive things before that. Because wasn't it it's, – it's also the Al Smith dinner. That's another one. And Al Smith was – uh, candidate in the 20s he might have even run against Coolidge or right around that time um, but yeah um, I think yeah there are funny presents but I don't think anybody's used it quite like Lincoln has and I really don't think there's anybody before him that was known to be funny at all um, especially when no. you're looking at like the big you know Washington and Jefferson were both very well known for not being funny at all you know some people even thought Jefferson was cold to the point of being socially awkward so um ben franklin obviously not a president but um he's obviously was a humorist for sure uh but yeah when you're looking at you know pre-lincoln people known for being funny i don't think there's a whole lot at least in the president when i was trying to I, i was trying to think of that too like there's no one quite like that and um after researching um this episode like i've you know i'm thinking it is his humor that maybe is one of the reasons that we still talk about him today because it just makes him so relatable. Like, I think he was probably a really funny guy that clearly could get an entire room laughing and forget their worries. And, you know, there's stories of him like out on the circuit and, you know, how everybody would just gather around and listen to him tell a story. And it was not just, that like I've said, like not just the nature, like not just the, the plot line of the story, but the way that he told it. Um, and he apparently got that ability from his father, Thomas. Thomas was quite the storyteller. And I know we've discussed a few times on the show that, you know, Lincoln had somewhat of a strained relationship with his father, but this is probably where he inherited that ability that he had um, was from Thomas. Um, maybe, I don't know if it was the humor or just more the storytelling, but um like and i've read a lot of sources that say definitely thomas was a brilliant storyteller um just like his son was yeah i think that's kind of the biggest uh takeaway from his father and a lot of the biographies i read is pretty much his sense of humor was about the only thing uh, he took from him other than um kind of indirectly learning ambition more out of spite than out of emulating anything but yeah the the knack for telling stories certainly came from his father yeah, and um, so I like. I think we can probably talk now about some examples of his sense of humor. Sure. You guys 
want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So the first one that I got was one that I read in a paper titled Lincoln's Humor and Analysis, and it was written by Benjamin P. Thomas back in the early 80s, but it's still, um, the paper seemed pretty relevant when I read it. Um, and anyway, he references the Hampton Roads Conference in 1865 as an example of how Lincoln used wit or retort and could use it under any circumstances. And I thought after reading it that, you know, he used his wit to like, he could shut down an argument basically. And like, just so it was kind of off the table, like, you know, we're not doing this anymore. Um, and just, I'm sure most of our listeners know, um, but just a brief background, the Hampton Roads Conference was held on February 3rd, 1865. It's a scene out of the Lincoln movie as well. One of my favorite scenes actually. Um, and it was on board the River Queen steamboat in Hampton Roads, Virginia and it was to discuss peace terms to end the Civil War. And present at the meeting were Lincoln and Seward, along with three commissioners from the Confederacy, uh, Alexander Stevens, who was the vice president, and Senator Robert M.T. Hunter, as well as Assistant Secretary of War John A. Campbell. And Lincoln was standing his ground on not entering into any agreement with people who had taken up arms against the government, in this case, the Confederacy. He was not gonna move on that at all. And Senator Hunter kept saying that a precedent had been set for such an agreement. And he kept citing the example of Charles I of England entering into agreements with those who had taken arms against him. And Lincoln responded, I do not profess to be posted in history. On all such matters, I will turn you over to Seward. All I distinctly remember about the case of Charles I is he lost his head. And that to me is not only like a mic drop moment, but like, I could just imagine the room just goes silent after he says that for probably a good 30 seconds. And that may have been the end of it right there. Like, what are you supposed to say to that? Like Lincoln's just said he lost his head. Like that's not a precedent. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. That's, you know, um, very, very kind of direct way of saying like, let's not, let's not make this comparison and try and be kind of being funny about yeah. it too in a very serious situation. Yeah, like he could have just said, no, we're not doing this. But instead, he brings in, you know, a piece of history. But it's also in a way, like witty mm -hmm. um, as well, which again, um, like Nick said, like to draw that so quickly is a sign of his intelligence as well as, you know, what a way to diffuse the situation to say, like, the guy was beheaded. Don't right. use that as an example. Right. I think, and I think the next uh, example that you put in the show notes um, shows just a whole nother vein of uh, Lincoln's humor, and it's much more of a deadpan when, and it's very famous, I think we've actually probably brought up in the show a couple of times, talking about Antietam, um, asking why why the thing wasn't pressed in that case, why McClellan didn't go after um, yeah. the, the Army of Northern Virginia, um, and when, you know, he gave the famous line, if McClellan is not using the Army, I should like to borrow it for a while, um, which... Not funny, haha, -ha, but pretty darn funny. Like, you know, like every like more of a ooh <laughs> than a yeah, like, than a oh. laugh laugh out loud kind of thing, but still very biting, deadpan. I'm sure the ways that he delivered it was was not not smiling really at all, but still it was a pretty funny, pretty good burn. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's some solid shit talking right there. Uh, dude, this is why he'd be a great wrestler. I mean, WWE, part of it is about, you know, having the, the physical prowess that, you know, he does. Or prowess, I don't know what the hell mm -hmm. I'm saying. Uh, but anyways, you know, the physical ability, which he had. But you got to be able to rock it on the mic, which Lincoln could definitely do. He would just roast 
he dropped pipe bombs all over the place in that ring. <laughs> like especially shout out to my to my Chicago boy CM Punk. <laughs> I think he had a lot of mic drop moments like around Antietam and just dealing with McClellan. Like there's the one that I brought up in our mic drop episode that where he's out with Ozias M. Hatch during the battlefield and he says to Hatch, he points to the Army of the Potomac, who is that? And Hatch is like, well, it's the army. And Lincoln's like, no, that is General McClellan's bodyguard. And I just imagine, like, just silent. Like, what do you say to that? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, like, yeah, somebody, like, four rows back is definitely chuckling. But, like, nobody, you, you wouldn't want to be seen laughing because, you know, he's pissed about it. But, like, yeah. it's still a wicked burn. And there was, um, now this is just a story that my friend and I were actually discussing this um a few days ago, um, just this, apparently Lincoln's, McClellan sent Lincoln a very sarcastic telegram that was like, I have captured two cows, what should I do with them? And Lincoln telegrammed him back, milk them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, that's supplies for the army right there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there was also times that Lincoln's humor caused him to find himself in trouble or it hurt somebody. And the thing with that Lincoln took away from this is I think he learned from it. And it helped shape him as a person and how he became a little bit more different with his sense of humor later in life, that he wasn't so into hurting people at all. And I think in both these situations that he got himself into where he didn't realize he was hurting them. And the first one was James Shields, which we all know was the famous duel from the Rebecca letters. And Shields felt um, very threatened and even though mary and julia apparently mary todd and julia jane wrote the last letter but lincoln kind of was noble and stuff and said ah, it was me and lincoln selected broadswords for the duel and one story said that he used the broadsword to cut off the branch of a willow tree above him just to kind of show his reach that he had with them and shields in one account says that he laughed at the incident and the two agreed to make peace but Lincoln was quite ashamed of that incident. And when it was brought up years later um, by somebody, he said to them, I do not deny it, but if you value my friendship, you will never mention it again. Yeah, I think that's an important part of the whole, like being able to take a joke piece, like clearly there was a boundary and that apparently that was it for him. And you know, like, it's yep. like, all right, point taken. Don't, don't talk about the duel. Uh, make, so that was clearly something he was not ready to take a joke. You can make fun of how I look, but if you mention shields and the duel, nope. Right, and I think that's one I clearly he was a little bit embarrassed by, but also it's probably his political prowess too. Like, you know, you can be ugly in politics, but, you know, the duel piece probably doesn't play too well. So he probably wanted to downplay that one as best he could. Yeah, and the second incident was uh, with Jess, um, it's known as the skinning of Thomas incident and Thomas was making a speech at the Springfield courthouse. He was a young democratic lawyer and politician. And in this speech, he was criticizing the long nine, especially Lincoln. And Lincoln was young at the time. Um, Herndon said of this incident that Lincoln felt the sting of Thomas's illusions. And for the first time on the stumper in public resorted to mimicry for effect. And in this, he was without rival. So there's Lincoln mimicking Thomas is not only the way he speaks, but his gestures like, and the crowd is cheering him on and he just keeps going and going and going. And he takes it to the point where Thomas is reduced to tears. And Lincoln admitted soon after he had gone way too far and he actually went and apologized to him. Wow. That's so like think, the, the first Saturday Night Live presidential political sketch possibly was Lincoln doing an impression of Jesse B. Thomas. 
Um, and then there was also the Lincoln Douglas debates where we brought this one up earlier, but if I was two faced, would I be wearing this one? And he said of Douglas's argument one time that it was as thin as a homeopathic soup that was made by boiling the shadow of a pigeon that had starved to death. Wow. That paints a picture right there. Andy's yep. the word homeopathic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, the burn's wicked when you're throwing in vocabulary like that. Yep. So did you guys have any examples of Lincoln's humor at all? Uh, I think uh, we kind of brought up most of the ones uh, that I had. Um, I kind of wish you took all mine. What's that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Typical high school kid. Oh, uh, yeah, I was going to say everything she said. Yeah, exactly those. <laughs> or, yeah, or just ones that were pretty similar. So we'll go ahead and. Um, no, but I, you know, I just kind of. I think a lot of it's like the time and place of everything, too. So, like, to try to picture where he was and what he was doing when, when those came up, especially like the Antietam ones and. Uh, the Douglas debate ones, like to really kind of get a picture of who he was. And I think that um, his sense of humor in the storytelling, I think is a lot of why, like, you know, we're going to actually just a couple of minutes here, we're going to get to our This Week in Lincoln, but why they're, why he's so endeared and, and like the portrayals of him are so wide from, you know, the serious great emancipator kind of role to like cartoonish characters and everything in between. Uh, we talked about, excuse me, we talked about some comic books at the top of the show. Like, I think I think part of the reason, like, when you look at how Lincoln is viewed as an American hero compared to, like, George Washington, um, how he's just such, such more of a dynamic character, uh, even when it's not historically accurate. And I think a lot of that's because, you know, part of it's probably because of the, his physicality, you know, his, you know, his distinctive beard and top hat, but also, like... Um, I mean, obviously his impact on the country, but like that, that very well-known personality, um, I think it's just so important in, in, in learning about the depth of him as a character. So yeah, definitely an important part of his, uh, persona. And I think that it can't be understated, um, how important if you really want to kind of get to know Lincoln, that that sense of humor is, is important. So, um, a couple of quick things. I'm going to turn over to Nick for this week in Lincoln. Um, Please uh, follow us on Twitter. We're at RailsplitterPod. Uh, the Facebook group is like one definite source of happiness in my day every day. We're seeing a lot of interactions on there, which is super cool. And some uh, new members, almost we get four or five a week, which is great. So if you have not yet joined the Facebook group, we do um, have a lot on there. But that's definitely one where our, our listeners do a great job of sharing stuff. And I just think it's it's super cool. And one of the main reasons that we like to do the show. Um, one of the things that like made my month was seeing um, somebody had posted on Facebook how two different podcasts had like met up somewhere, and then um, Kathleen, one of the one of our listeners, posted like, "Oh, and it was Lita George who did our trivia episode." Like, "Oh yeah," and he was on another podcast that I like, which is called The Rail Splitter, which I thought was so kind of yeah. of her just to mention us in that context, but also like. I'm like, holy cow, we're, we're in a conversation about podcasts. That's awesome. Yep. So uh, we really appreciate that. And um, well, our goal has always been for the show just to get to other Lincoln heads. So, you know, we're not, we're not kidding ourselves thinking we're going to be a top 10 iTunes history podcast. But if there's somebody out there who really is a Lincoln fan like us, we hope they're at least aware of the show. So help us spread the word and definitely join us on social media. Um, tag us in any posts about Abraham Lincoln and share them with us on our Facebook group or on Twitter and Instagram at RailSplitterPod. And we could always use your ratings and reviews on iTunes. 
Uh, if you have the time to head over there and give us a rating or review, um, those are always helpful. And we do read them on the air, um, which is kind of fun sometimes too. So that brings us to our weekly feature that we end each show with, which is This Week in Lincoln, where we find fun examples of Abraham Lincoln kind of in everyday life or pop culture. This one is brought to us by the Stangy Clan, so I'm going to turn it over to Rail Splitter Nick for This Week in Lincoln. Yeah, as many of you know, Oh, my brother sends me everything he sees Lincoln related on the phone. Uh, um, and every once in a while, one of them ends up being worthwhile. Uh, I <laughs> Love you, Curtis. <laughs> uh, all seriousness, though, um, he does send me stuff often, and usually they're really good. Um, and he sent me a picture, which I found very humorous, uh, the other night. It was actually President's Day. He sent me the list with Lincoln on the top, which he was on the top of just about every list I saw. Did anybody see a list without him on top? Nope, I didn't. And then every list I saw had Millard Fillmore in the bottom 10. I just thought I mentioned that <laughs> real quick. Um, anyways, it's a picture of, I believe it's the Lincoln Memorial. And there is a gentleman cleaning Lincoln's ear with what looks like a giant Q-tip. Um, so it is one of those pictures that are just kind of humorous. Even our presidents cleaned their ears. <laughs> Um, even, you know, at 209 years old. So there's probably a lot of wax in there. Um, so we'll post that. It's quite an enjoyable picture. Uh, yeah, so that's this week in Lincoln. All right. Any parting thoughts before we close out the show, Mary or Nick? I just want to say thank you to all our listeners out there for listening, interacting on the Facebook page. Like you, Jeremy, it is a source of, like just fun and just a kind of a way to get away from every day to go look and see what our listeners have been posting. So please keep that going. And if you haven't yet, please join our Facebook page and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. A lot of great posts. It's awesome being on social media, seeing everybody out there. Um, yeah. And, you know, spread the word yeah. and uh, yeah, shoot us an email every now and then. That's right. Yeah. And our email address is the rail splitter podcast, all one word at gmail.com. So, uh, thank you too, for providing some humor in the world of Abraham Lincoln, uh, to kind of get our minds off of the craziness that is our world today. Uh, obviously our, um, sending positive energy to everyone who needs it, especially the community in Parkland in Florida. Uh, but, uh, hopefully we're able to give people a little bit of time away from that and think about a funny, funny guy named Abraham Lincoln. So, um, thank you once again for listening. Please engage with us on social media and keep walking the world with malice toward none and with charity for all. And we will see you next week.